be a part of the Annie Armstrong Easter offering for home missions or North American missions that uh, we can be an extended hand and arm uh, to help someone that needs to hear the story of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'd like for you to turn with me to 1 Peter, the second chapter, verses 1 through 9. Uh, we're going to find uh, something there of, of, of about something that really I didn't have a full understanding until I prayerfully sought God's guidance in wondering and seeing what really sacrificial praise was all about. So as a topic, I'd use the topic Jesus, if you noticed in the bulletin, and yet seems to be all messages should be centered in that direction, as I often do. But I want to share with you in 1 Peter, uh, the second chapter, verses 1 through 9, if you'd please stand for the reading of God's word. <clears throat> Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envyings and evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as, a, as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Uh, ye also, a living stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. <clears throat> to you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which are be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But you are a cho chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should shew forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. May God add his blessings to the reading of those words. Would you bow with us once again in a word of prayer? <clears throat> Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for being able to look into your word again today to hear what you want to say to us, to relate these words that have been written a long time ago that might be so relevant for our lives today, so a part of what we need to be and who we really are because we know you as Savior. Lord, but there may be someone here that's not a Christian that has not been saved. And we just pray that the message would come as a challenge to those that are lost and maybe even a conviction to someone. And Lord, that we might be able to align our lives with your will to be more of what you'd have us be while time is afforded. Guide us now, Lord, as we look again and listen to your words today. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Maybe seated. As I was reading these words, I, I kept reading over or thinking over in my mind the, the thought, sacrificial praise. What is sacrificial praise? Then I called to remember Psalm, the psalmist David in 116 and where he said, I will offer God a sacrifice of thanksgiving, uh, pay my vows to the Lord. And again, I would drop back into sacrificial praise. <clears throat> and I believe that sacrificial praise for the children of God today, especially today, is 
the fact that we have a great and desire and a, de- a, a great need in order for us to have sacrificial praise that the praise of this worship service today may be lacking of all worldly intent and thought in order for us to have that sacrifice of giving or setting aside all but the things of God and praise him for it. And as, as I listen to the words, it seems that God was always, even in the very beginnings of the Old Testament, was demanding sacrificial praise. It then came by way of sacrificing animals in the very beginning as God had ordained and set in motion a blood offering to atone for the sins of the people. And it was God's way of helping us understand. They went all the way from sacrificing things to sacrificing animals to to just having a time of solemn worship. And that, I believe, is where we fit in. We have designated times of solemn worship. Worship of praise and sacrificing things. We have set aside things outside these walls and in our lives in order to just simply praise God and to let God speak to our hearts. And I believe that when we hallow the Sabbath, we do in in some sorts of ways enter the gates of the holy presence of Almighty God. And so I want you to feel this morning the thought, the very intent that your heart may want you to have as we have entered the gates of a sacrificial praise to God and the presence of God will be relevant and will be what we need to have and be if this service this morning is what God, I think, wants it to be. And so as we look at these, we can find that one of the things, one of the things I believe that worship in, worship's intent ought to be, and that is to produce a peace that sometimes cannot be found outside the walls of the sanctuary today. And I realize that when you leave today, the church is in, in part leaves with you. You are a part of the church of Jesus Christ. You are that word of God through your ver- the temple of the, ho- of the soul of your very existence. You are that temple. And yet I believe that God, even in the very beginning, put such a a store in a a designated place of worship when when Moses and many, Abraham and all, they would move along in the will of God. It seemed to come in, in times when they would reach certain destinations, certain places that God would direct them to. One of the first things that God wanted them to do was to build me a place Build me a sanctuary. And in in the case of Moses, he even gave out the directive for what to build and what material to use. God wants us to have a sanctuary. And I believe that the, the very body in which your soul resides is the sanctuary of God. And that's why it is so important for us to reverence that body and to keep that body clean from all things if possible as we can. And so as we open the door of praise this morning, I want us to see that there is flowing a love of God to enter into the temple of your soul. I want that to touch your very heart today because it is important. That is sacrificial praise. And as we think about what uh, Peter is trying to say here to us, but, you know, like the disciples, we sometimes lose the sights of our Savior's love, we sometimes uh, almost but sink into the sands of doubt and uncertain times and we need to have more of a spiritual vision that God will help us stay in that uh, mode of living, the, the, the divine direction that God wants to give each one of us. And that's important, so important. 
that we need to be willing to lay down our faith to follow and just sit in the presence of God to hear. Yes, I believe there are times that faith will be set aside and that God's presence will be so awesome that it won't take faith to believe he will. It won't take faith to believe he is. But it'll take a very intent of the heart to know that he is in our presence today. That we are entering into a sacrificial time of praise. So to have confidence in God, we need help. And who can help us? God. God can help us and understand. And so we need to find the divine directions that God wants to give us and let that be our goal and let it uh, be uh, what our soul and our heart wants to do. And as Peter begins to read here or to write for us, he, he says that when we have our souls saved by the grace of God, we do not want to have evil in, in our lives. We need to put evil aside and, and a certain it is a certain thing that Satan will not stop bothering you even if you have said yes to God's love and been saved by the powers of God and that same power that will sustain you in a time of trouble and temptation, God will be there. It's a promise. Don't doubt and don't wonder if you're going to have the strength to overcome, if you're going to have the strength to turn aside from a temptation that might come. It's no problem with God, but we have to turn it over to God in order uh, to be what he wants us to be. As I thought about this, you know, I'm uh, an old country boy uh, way back yonder. And I remember we had wood stove. We had together wood and or in our case we had coal. But the wood stove, I still have one in my shop today. And what I know is that I can get busy doing something in the shop and neglect the stove where I have a pretty good fire going. And before you know it, I've neglected it so long that that dude's about to go out and I need more wood. I believe worship is putting more wood on the fire of desire in our hearts to cause us to stay lit with the love of God, stay burning with desire and stay ready to put the warmth of God's love out into somebody's life that has darkened or gotten chilled with the sense of, that Satan wants to push into us. Uh, as I thought about this, I thought about the things that takes place in my own life. Things that keeps us from growing and going beyond the sincere milk of the word as Peter talk, talked about. Uh, God wants us to have the milk of the word. As, as newborn babes in Christ, we need to, to feed on those simple things of God's love and word that we can have. And yet we need to come and if you haven't as a child of God for many years then you need to look to see if God doesn't want to serve a steak to you. Well, it says meat of the word, but I'm thinking that one of the greater desires of God is for us to be able to have a well-done steak. And I'm not talking physically. I'm talking in the spiritual sense of existence that God wants to serve us the meat of the word. And the meat is sometimes a little complicated, but what's going to take for us to digest that is the indwelling spirit of God. And we need to have that. If you do not have, my friends today, if you do not feel the indwelling spirit of God in your life, then there's a problem. We don't pray enough. We don't stay in the word enough. And how many dozen times have I said you'll never know the will of God unless you know the word of God? We need to know the word of God. And you're not going to know it with a closed Bible on the stand in the living room. 
it needs to be a designated daily time. And I, I think often of, of how that faith can, needs to be so much a part of laying the foundation of building a life on Jesus Christ, the stone that he has desired to be in your life. But Peter said he could be a stone of stumbling. What was he talking about? He was talking about the fact that sometimes we hear about Jesus. We feel like that he is someone besides just someone. And he can be a stone of stumbling to us if we stumble over the facts and do not settle in to hear the facts of God through his son. And it can become a stumbling block. That is something that we can stumble over but not stop and see. And I think that Peter puts it so well here. And one of the stories I like in the Bible, I think it's in the Gospel of Mark, uh, it's a story of how that a man was so caught up in the fact that Jesus Christ had the power to even perform a miracle. And uh, he still does today, by the way. And if you believe in miracles, would you raise your hand? You do believe in miracles. And I believe in miracles. I believe in the miraculous acts of God in your life and mine to make a difference that nothing else could and it won't happen unless God has a part in it. So believe it with all your heart and take that with you everywhere you go. But the belief in the miracles is a story that I find in the book of Mark, the fifth chapter, and it talks about some physical and spiritual uh, needs that we all have and that was needed there when a man by the name of Jairus. One day Jesus was sitting along, or standing, I'm not sure, along the Sea of Galilee, talking to a gathered crowd. I don't know how many. He may have just fed the 4,000. Maybe it was the 5,000. But nonetheless, a group was gathered as Jesus in his divine teaching and talking to the people was sharing about God's love through him and to them that they could find the peace that they had missed in a lot of their lives. There was a peace that had gotten stirred up in the life of Jairus, a peace that got stirred up in a physical sense because his daughter was very sick. Even the Bible says sick unto death. And uh, he had heard about Jesus being there by the sea. And he had heard about the miracles. He believed in them to a point of wanting to experience it at first hand. And so he made his way through the crowd and got to Jesus. And he said, Jesus, my little daughter is very sick. And I know that if you could come, she could be healed. Well, Jesus heard every word he said. But he wasn't through seeing faith in a man who maybe his faith was wallowing a little bit in his mind and wondering for sure just if this indeed was a miracle man that he had heard about. And as Jairus kindly gestured Jesus to go with him, all of a sudden... They were interrupted by a lady who come pressing through the crowd and was saying, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'd be healed. And the healing came because Jesus took time to see to the needs of another. Now, sometimes you might have a need. Sometimes it seems like the answer of God may ponder or longer or linger a little bit. But it just might be. He's dealing with another need even maybe greater than yours. It doesn't mean he's left you out. It doesn't mean he does not want to heed to your prayers and answer that with a miracle in your life or the life of the family. Jesus looked back at Jairus. Okay, son, let's go. They hadn't much more and cleared the crowd that day till here come one of Jairus' servants, I guess it was. And they said, Jairus, I'm sorry. 
Don't bother the master any longer. Your little girl just died. Well, I'm sure his heart fell to his feet and he thought, maybe if Jesus would have had come on when I first asked, maybe it wouldn't have happened. And, but Jesus looked at Jairus and said, let's go. And they headed on to Jairus' house. They got there. Yes, people were sitting around with a mourning face because the little girl had died. And Jesus said to some of them, she's not dead, she's just asleep. She was asleep, asleep in the death that physically can come. But she was about to come alive in the spiritual existence that we all need to have. And Jesus said, show me her, take me to her. And they went upstairs, and as they started up the stairway, evidently some were kind of doing a little bit of sniggering, and he doesn't know what he's doing. Did he not hear what we said? The little girl is dead. But they went upstairs, and there lay the little girl lifeless, and Jesus just reached out and touched her forehead or hand or heart or whatever it might have been. And he said, Talitha which is to say, the scripture says, little girl, rise. Now that's not all of the story. Yes, the little girl was dead. Yes, Jesus performed a miracle of life. He touched her and brought her back into the existence that Jairus, her father, wanted her to have. But when the miracle happens, Jesus is not through. Even with you who have experienced a miracle on someone else or a family you love. And I want to pause there to tell you, you may have, a, have had a circumstance like Jairus and his daughter. But maybe that miracle of life as you see it and as we feel we want it and need it didn't come. But I want you to know, yes, indeed, for the child of God, the greatest miracle of all did come, has come, will come, and it comes by way of the angel of God taking someone that the physical life is, is done and the spiritual life is beginning and God with his miraculous acts of love has paid a house call. The prognosis was good. It's going to be life eternally. If you think sometimes that the miracle did not happen in your life, just remember the greatest miracle of all did. The promise that God said that whosoever believeth on me would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Saved by his grace, even to the eternal existence that he promised. Well, I don't know where you're at today in, in the realms of sacrificial praise. But I do know this. God calls on his children to sacrifice. Oh, that might be to give up some, some something that's good and wholesome. But it may be something that you need to give up. But the greatest sacrifice of all is to give up a selfish intent. Our very selves to allow God to have every bit of us and to take us into the realms of a miracle that he wants to have us. And you know, it's, it's almost like the story of the potter that, uh, that uh, Jeremiah went down to the potter's house and he was going to do something for God, but he couldn't. 
not until God got him ready to do that. And God might maybe needs this morning, maybe this service is a preparation time for us to get ready to sacrifice of praise to God. And to do that, self has to be set aside else we fail in the service that God has called us to be in. So I just urge you, I compel you, I exhort you, as Paul says, to be ye steadfast, unmovable, always, where God needs you. And God will use you in one of the most dramatic ways that you can hardly imagine. Today, so many are so satisfied with so little, and God has so much for you and I. If you are ready to receive the ultimate, the height, the total blessings that God has in store, brace yourself, child of God. His power will overcome you and you will see the greatest love this world has ever known, the love of God through Jesus Christ and by way of the Holy Spirit will touch your life in a dramatic way and you will never, ever be the same. Would you bow with me in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you today for your love that we can know. I thank you today for being able to open the windows of your word and just take a peep at what you are, what you want to be, and what you want to do in our lives. And I just ask you, Lord, a special blessing on each of us as we've gathered to have the sacrifice of praise that, Lord, we can know and understand that you're so ready to receive us in a set-aside trust that is designed for every one of us. Guide us now, Lord, in this time of invitation. Let it be all that you want it to be. In your precious name we pray. Amen.